But let's turn to James chapter 3 and also 2 Samuel chapter 16. As they mentioned, the Exleys being with us next week. I also want to point out that this is our last Sunday with our missionary to Dubai, Jackie Chapman, who spent some time with us. She's here in the front row. Jackie, can you just acknowledge who you are? And she's there in the front row. So make sure to say hello or goodbye to her. And when are you leaving town, Jackie? Tomorrow. So this is it today. So say hello to her. And as always, you know, she's still trying to raise funds to get her to Dubai. So anything God leads you to do. Um, I know she would appreciate that, and I would appreciate that consideration. Also, I told her yesterday that our church is going to double what we give to her monthly, and so we're excited about God giving us the ability to do that, and I hope we can do more just as a church body in the future. Well, for those of you who have not been around Christianity for a long time and you weren't around Christianity 20 years ago, we used to go to church a whole lot more than what we do now. So because of that, I'd like to add more services, and I want to propose, I'm just joking, all right, you guys get nervous, all those in leadership went, no, and so, like, like any era, there's pros and cons, right, and there used to be scheduled revivals, now there's one thing when revival happens, when the spirit of God moves, and we just want to be in church, man, I want more of that, that would be awesome, yeah, we, let's anticipate that, but there's another thing when you schedule a revival a year in advance, and you say, for this particular week, we're going to church every single night, what we discovered was, is that going to church seven times in a week was not particularly reviving if someone wasn't following the Holy Spirit's lead, if it was just an obligatory visit, and so we would have these revivals, and people would get cranky, man. They would just get in bad moods. They're supposed to be uh, spending more time with God, but that wasn't necessarily the case. Now, at these revivals were the, the, the most awesome music. It was just awesome, wonderful music. And, and there was some positive chemistry from that. But what would happen is, I, I experienced this with different denominations, different groups. Uh, we would go to church and we would have this wonderful special music, maybe a special speaker, and, and have this kind of spiritual emphasis week. And being tired and cranky afterwards, everyone would go out to supper. And it was the meal after the revival services that um, there was a great disconnection between what God did in the church service and what God was doing at Shoney's or Chili's. Because around the table after service, uh, there would be statements like this, like, man, did you see what that lady was wearing? I mean, she was at the front worshiping God, but she wanted every man in the church to see her. Or there would be things like this. Can you believe the young adults with their hands in the air? Did you hear what they were doing last weekend and they think they could worship God? Did you see that usher in the back left? He's an idiot. He didn't see anybody. He didn't know what he was doing. And all of a sudden there was this great disconnect between what God was doing in the church and what was actually happening when we sat around tables and discussed. It was disgusting, but disgust is what I was trying to say. What happened? James chapter three, verse nine. Here it is. This is so convicting to me and I know it will be convicting to you. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. 
my brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives? Our grape vine bear figs. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This incredible capacity and disturbing capacity we have to sing praises to the Lord while we're listening to the fish or Caleb and then instantly curse somebody who cuts us off in traffic. Oh man, the tongue. It's a world of evil, isn't it? This, the scripture, which is leading us to the Holy Spirit, is saying this shouldn't be. There shouldn't be this, there shouldn't be this disconnect between our praise and then our cursing. Because of that today, I want to speak about cursing, and I'm not talking about cuss words. We, 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 we kind of address that at the end of last week's sermon. I'm talking about something just, just very, very more damaging than those crude words that we as a culture have said, we're not going to use those words. I'm talking about when you speak a curse over someone or when a curse is spoken over you. What's the definition of a curse? I think you know functionally what it is, but this is a classic definition. An expression of a wish of misfortune, evil, or doom. So when we wish upon someone doom, when we wish upon someone misfortune, when we wish upon someone evil. The problem is this. We don't realize that bad habits and even cultural habits and even things that are passed down to us from our families, we don't realize that as God's redeemed people called to bless the world, we give out many curses. And we also don't realize sometimes that curses are spoken against us. So I want us to look at a scripture in the Old Testament Second Timothy, excuse me, Second Samuel chapter 16. Turn to your Bible to that if you have that or find it on your phone. And this is a time um, when David was at his lowest point of leadership. Absalom had turned against him. His very own son had led a revolt against David. David was now temporarily not the king of the people. God would restore that later on. And he was at his lowest point. And Usually, this is, this is a remarkable Sunday. Usually, I give you three points. Now, you see in the notes, I'm giving you eight points today. This means the sermon will be 150% longer, okay? Aren't you glad you came to the first service? No. So, so we kind of have two phases. I, I, I want to give this first teaching about using this story as a way we can identify either a curse that's on us or a curse that we're giving, and then we'll look at the solution. So here it is. David comes out. It says, when King David got to... Behurim, a man belonging to the family of the house of Saul, was just coming out. His name was Shimei, son of Gera, and he was yelling curses as he approached. It's not hard to imagine this, but we see this story that David is traveling along, and out of nowhere, someone comes out, a son of Saul, someone who was an enemy of his, an enemy of his, and the dynastic structure, and he comes out and he begins to yell out these curses to David. Here's a first observation if you're taking notes. Curses come unexpectedly, 
but they are from a familiar source. David had been in Saul's house. David had eaten at Saul's table. David was friends with Jonathan, who was Saul's son. He knew that family. He had shared meals with him. He had shared close family moments. And now at his lowest point, unexpectedly, a curse came from a very familiar source. As we approach the holidays, I want to remind you of this as a family member, that it is family who hurts us the most. Those, those hurts that we receive and then those hurts that we give. It's our church family that hurts us the most also. You see, people who are distant from us can't hurt us. I know God's doing great work through churches with video venues. Some of my best friends in the world have video venues. So I'm, this is not a commentary to that. There's, 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 there are circumstances where churches need to pipe out sermons to different places. But I think one of the appeals to that and one of the attractive part of us is that we know if we watch someone preach on TV, they're not going to hurt us. Right. But, but if we if we get involved in the church, you know, if we get to know the pastor, if we get to know the leadership, they have great potential to wound us then. And so it is that we have these kind of distant relationships. We have these distant relationships because the fact is that curses come from those who are closest to you. Life has a rhythm. So we know we're coming into a new season. We're about to start Advent. We're about to start Thanksgiving. And so we know Thanksgiving is going to happen. Christmas is going to happen. New Year's is going to happen. And we also know that Aunt Sally is going to offend us. It's part of the holiday tradition. I know this is that there's many areas of my life that I'm emotionally immature. And the Lord's helping me. And I want you to know this. The people you love the most don't have it together. And so we come together on the holidays and we kind of drop our guard. We're not trying to impress people. We're, we're getting to be ourselves. And in those vulnerable moments, offenses take place. And I just want you to, first of all, I want you to decide not to do your best to not be offensive. Sometimes we are offensive even when we don't know we're offensive. Isn't that, isn't that interesting how that happens? So now on the receiving end, if you know that you're going to be Stuff in your mouth with Thanksgiving turkey, watching the Cowboys win yet again on Thanksgiving. And, and Uncle Joe is going to say something stupid. If you know ahead of time that's going to happen, you're, you're better equipped to process the hurt. I'm not, I'm not calling you or telling you to be a doormat and to not stand up for yourself and not to have boundaries. You understand that. But we know the enemy has a scheme. And when we're aware of Satan's scheme, Satan wants to divide families. Satan wants to tear families apart. Satan wants to cause this unity to come into the very structure that God invented and God said he would bless. And so we have to be spiritually prepared for that. Verse 6 of 1 Samuel 16. He threw stones at David... And all the royal servants, the people and the warriors on David's right and left. Isn't it interesting that when Shimei attacked David, he ended up hurting the people around David. 
Number two, when you are cursed, it affects those close to you. When you're cursed, it affects those that are closest to you. So this is a good filter for all of us. Think about how you would feel if someone criticized your child. It's a horrible feeling. You want to punch somebody in the face. I haven't punched anyone in the face in sixth grade, but I still use that phrase a lot. That's a story for a different sermon. We want to protect our children. We want to make sure that even when our children mess up, that we don't want others to unkindly point that out. And we feel that way about our parents, hopefully, if we have a decent relationship with them. I don't want anyone talking bad about my mom. I don't want anyone talking bad about Beth's mom. This is an excellent filter for us to process our words about. Because when we curse somebody else, it hurts their kids. And it hurts parents. And it hurts spouses. And it hurts brothers and sisters. I don't think there's a greater test for this than the Shackle Island Stadium where Beach plays our Station Camp Stadium, our Gallatin Stadium, high school football. We sit in the stands and we watch these children, 15-year-old children, put their life on the line out there. And the dads on the top row of the stadium, down there closer to where the moms are and the cheerleading, they're a little more civil most of the time, but the dads who stand on the back row, which I'm one of those, it's unbelievable, um, some of them, the venom that they'll direct towards specific players. So I just, I just made a covenant. Now, one exception of that is Jeff Rush. Jeff is the loudest guy in the top row. I mean, he's the loudest guy. I've heard him in the parking lot yelling, but he never yells at a specific player. He's great about that because he has a father's heart. He yells at the team, but not the players. So, so I, I, you know, I made a covenant with my family. I said, you know, as, as I go to a lot of high school football games, junior high football games, I'm not going to yell at a specific player. You know why? First of all, because I'm smart, because mama may be sitting in the row in front of me and grandpa may be sitting down. And so it's just not wise to do that, but it's also not kind. So when we throw curses, we hurt other people. We don't just hurt the person. We hurt the people the person loves. We hurt the person who's closest to and so it would be a great filter it it would be a great filter to think you know if I'm going to speak against someone even a even someone public who's a public servant go ahead your opinion is needed and valued and I want you to be people who have informed educated opinions but we can do so in a civil way that would not be destructive and would not the curse would not affect family members so it's great to say what would this person's son or daughter think? What would this person's parent think? We would be more like Jesus if we would think in those terms. Verse seven, Shimei said, as he cursed, as he cursed, he said, get out, you worthless murderer. The Lord has paid you back for all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you became king. And the Lord has handed the kingdom over to your son, Absalom. Look, you are in trouble because you're a murderer. You know what's interesting about what Shemai said there? Is it was true. David was a murderer. He was a murderer that God had forgiven. 
And it was also true that the consequences of David's, one of his murders, not done in warfare, but what he did to Bathsheba's husband. God said, there's going to be disorder in your kingdom. There's going to be disorder. And now uh, the fruit of what he did was coming to pass. And so what Shemai said was true. And this reminds me of point three. The curses we receive are often based off past truth. That is what makes them powerful. And that is what makes them hurt. And so it is that the reason people close to us can hurt us is because sometimes, not all the time, but often the curse is based off past truth. Maybe a past truth that God has forgiven us. Maybe a past truth that we've corrected. Maybe a past truth that we've wanted to forget. But Satan is using those schemes. He's using our past against us because that is Satan's language. He's a liar. And he's an accuser. The scripture lets us know that his very name means accuser, that he tries to accuse us, accuse us before God, accuse us in our minds, but he's a liar and he takes things that God has forgiven us of and he accuses us with those things. So I just challenge you in our relational life, keep things current. Man, if someone's asked for forgiveness, if someone's changed their habits, if someone's trying Don't throw that in their face. Don't throw that in their face. None of us are perfect, are we? We all need help. Verse 13. So David and his men proceeded along the road as Shemai was going along the ridge of the hill opposite him. I like this. This this phrase is interesting to me. As Shemai went, he cursed David and threw stones and dirt at him. A curse, number four, usually isn't isolated, it's often a recurring event. Hey, I can shrug off a statement most of the time. Not all the time, but a lot of the times I can shrug off a particular statement. But when someone just badgers me over and over, accusing me, accusing me, accusing me, of just just that relentlessness, that's a sign that they're being used to place a curse on us. That's a characteristic of a curse. Now, I already know that, like, already, we, we the, I got to just mention where we're going to the end of the sermon. And you're like, oh, no, I've got these annoying people in my life. Are they cursing me? Well, that doesn't mean that you're, you're they have power over you. It's, it, you, you don't, we're not, we, the blood of Jesus covers that. So, so I, I, this is not a message of hope. This is hopelessness. This is a message of identification. And we realize that these negative messages that they're like coming and coming and coming and coming. And we need to be able to take those thoughts captive and put them in a prisoner prison somewhere so that we don't dwell on them. Number five. Well, let's read verse 13 first. So David and his and his men proceeded along the road. As Shimei was going along the ridge of the hill opposite of him, as Shimei went, he cursed David, threw stones and dirt at him. And finally, the king and all the people with him arrived, exhausted, so they rested there. Curses leave us, let's put this number five up, dirty and exhausted. So sometimes it's not like the curse, like when, we, when we look at curses in literature or movies, we're like, like the curse of the Cubs, you know, like they can't win a baseball game because of a curse. It, it, it's not... 
it doesn't have power that way. It has power in affecting our thinking. And so we, we were thinking wrong and we're, we just feel dirty and we just feel exhausted and we just feel worn out. I, ha- I have an older brother who had a special ministry in my life and his ministry was verbally assaulting me all through my childhood. And listen, this guy, he's a great guy now. He, he serves at another church, and I'm going to be with him this afternoon, and he feels really bad about it. So if you happen to know him, I don't think many of you know him, don't text him right now. I don't think Ryan listens to my podcast every week. I'm fairly certain he's not going to hear this sermon, so we can keep this. So he's apologized to me about it and all that. And, and so it's funny that... Uh, that Man, all my life, this guy just wore me out. You know, older brother just wore me out over and over again. And it's actually, as I think about what's prepared me for the ministry the most, I think that's it. I think that I can credit to because I have this ability. People talk about me. People accuse me. People take words I say and they're twisted. People that I love for years, I find out, are like angry at me. And, you know, it's never pleasant, but I have a resilience about me that comes from all the verbal abuse that I received as a child. And, and so uh, that, that's, just, that's just how God can use that. And the other reason not to worry about it is because when I married Beth, if anyone ever talks bad about me, mama bear, she rises up. <laughs> and she, she uh, I, I, have to, you know, I have to keep things from her a little bit uh, to protect you, protect all of you. I keep things from her. Because she, she is, uh, she's, my, she's my defender, great defender, and thank God for her. And, and so, so it is that the Lord works through all this stuff, right? He's working all, all things out for our good. And, and Ryan, my brother, would be really hurt if he knew I was saying this, but I wanted you to hear this because he works all things for our good, all things. And so, and so whatever, whatever, whatever you've received or heard, listen, God's going to use it. You're going to be all right. He, he's going to use it in a positive way. And he's going to use it for something better in your life. So let me just close with this. Talk about Christian and curses. Number one is this. Christian, Christ followers cannot participate in cursing. You cannot do that. This is what the scripture tells us. Many different ways it tells us this, but this is a very clear way. Bless those who persecute you. Romans chapter 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless And do not curse. So as we we move into a new era of our cultural seasons, and we're going to be around each other a little bit more, we're going to be around family a little bit more, I would be so happy. I I would be so happy. And God would be so happy, which is so much more important. And the kingdom of God would benefit, and your family would benefit if you just said, as much as I can, as much as I'm capable of, I'm not going to curse anymore. You know, this is not cussing I'm talking about, so don't do that either. But I'm talking about, I'm not going to speak doom upon someone. I'm not going to speak um, misfortune upon someone. I'm not going to wish for someone's demise. I'm not going to hope for someone's downfall. And this is a great chance to ask the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out, right? Because some, sometimes those, those feelings just come up. We don't even choose those feelings. It feels like those feelings choose us. And, and, and we, 
<sighs> we're not operating in the spirit of God. And so when those feelings seem like they've chosen us, let's choose the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, take control of my heart and my mouth and my words and my intention. And then as we, we, as we worship the Lord, as we fill our mouths with more of his praise. I mean, we do need to fill our mouth with more things that reflect God and reflect glory. Let's not have this disconnect between what we sing and what we pray and what we declare and what we say in casual talk. The Lord wants to redeem those things. We're one person, we're one body. And so he can do that. And here's the second thing. I've already mentioned it. Christ's followers are free from curses. You need to hear this today. What Aunt Sally and Uncle Joe has spoken over you has no power if you don't let it have power. It has no spiritual power. Even when those who have positional authority of you, parents, pastors, teachers, coaches, bosses, they speak doom over you. They speak, they speak death over you. They speak curses over you. Because of Jesus, those curses cannot take place or root in your heart if you don't let them. We are covered. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because it's written, everyone who is hung on a tree is cursed. So it is past behavior that has brought disruption to our life, that's been a curse upon our life, but Jesus became that curse for us on the cross. Bad habits that have brought destruction to our life. Things that we all have said, every single one of us have not been able to control our tongue at times and have said regrettable things, and those things have been a form of a curse, and Jesus took that curse upon him, and he paid the price for our misspoken words. Jesus paid the price for every dumb thing someone has spoken over you. Every stone that has been, been, been an assault against you. And some of you, you've been hurt because the stone was meant for someone else and you've been part of the spray. Maybe it was your spouse. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a coworker. Whatever the case is that you have felt the pain of someone else's curse. But the Lord is telling you today, you're set free. Jesus took the pain upon himself. Jesus took the punishment upon himself. And so we're going to exchange all the hurt, all the pain, all the regrets of the curse, and instead receive the blessing that comes from what Jesus did for us. That's the beauty of the gospel. See, everything goes back to the gospel message. And Jesus has redeemed the curse of our tongue. And he has become the curse for us. So we are no longer under the curse. We're under freedom in the Lord and freedom in the spirit.